Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey, y'all. Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. So, Craig, what's good? I like how you said good thing. Very definitive. Um, yesterday, I went to my local Renaissance Fair. Uh, so that was pretty neat. It's been a while. This is the PA Ren Fair, uh, for those of you who are, who are curious. I think it's one of the, the bigger Ren Fairs that are around. I know there's a, another big one in Maryland um, for East Coast people. But yeah, it was, it's been a while, so it was nice to go. And it was somewhat hot, but still there's plenty of, of fun shows and things like that to go see. And we didn't do much shopping, but we did do the shows and just sort of hang out and and uh, eat some food and go to shows. That was pretty cool. Did you buy an overly expensive turkey leg? No, I don't do that. And my wife would like to do that, but uh, she's currently on a uh, not eating certain things type thing. Craig would if it came pizza flavored. Pizza flavored or turkey. Macaroni, macaroni and cheese flavored. Yo, the best thing I ever had was this corn on the cob. During a, it was a Celtic festival up uh, near Jersey, uh, which we might be going to. I think it's next month. Um, it had Parmesan cheese and butter on it, like it was cheese crusted corn on the cob. It was amazing, dude. Mm. That's also a good thing. Bonus I, good thing. <laughs> I just ate dinner, and that sounds amazing. Cheese covered corn on the cob. Yeah. It was great. The best thing. I've ever had at a festival was at the Louisiana Ren Fair. There was a booth that had cheese stuffed fried olives. What? It was amazing. Yeah. They were they were wonderful and they were there for like two years and then the next year they weren't back again oh. and this was like ten years ago, but oh I still dream about those olives. Have to find them again somewhere. I have dreams where I eat carbs. <laughs> I've been having them like every day. Oh no, you missed. The I carbs. had one night. One night, I had two separate dreams where I ate pizza. See, I dream that I eat carbs, but then I also, in real life, eat the carbs, and that's why I'm <laughs> fat. All right. So Craig's good thing is the Renaissance Fair, uh, and Dave's is carbs. <laughs> well, maybe not. Go on, Dave. Sploosh. My good thing this week is going to be a little song. Not really a song, but uh, it is by Maurice Ravel, and it is called Bolero. And you might have only ever heard of the word Bolero because of Ocarina of Time. And the reason for that is because the percussion line from Bolero of Fire is actually based on this uh, classical piece by Maurice Ravel. It's pretty new. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Check it out. That's pretty cool. Alright. So, my... Okay. 
Koji Maurice Kondo. Ravel. Bolero. Maurice Ravel. Bolero. His Bolero. Pretty, probably the most famous Bolero of all time. Maybe this century, the most famous Bolero would be the Bolero of Fire. All time would be Maurice Ravel's Bolero. Uh, so my good thing this week is a uh, game that came out in 2010, uh, which is called Etrian Odyssey 3 The Drowned City. Uh, the Etrian Odyssey games are challenging. Uh, not like Dark Souls hard, where like you have to you know study the bosses and you know practice and fail a bunch before you can succeed. But like old school video game hard, where you, you have die. to like map out the dungeons, uh, which it actually provides you with the lower screen of the DS. Uh, with like you make your own map as you're as you're playing it's oh, it's a lot of cool. fun um but it is it is very challenging like you are very much encouraged to min max your party as much as possible to uh keep up with how hard the the monsters are to fight um very early on which is where i'm at in my current replay uh like the second floor of the dungeon there you're encouraged to only come in at night because there's a regular enemy that can just one shot members of your party um that only shows up during the day and healing is expensive um bringing people back from the dead is really expensive and there's very little money especially early on like i remember late in the game i just had a ton of money but Early on, it's it's very resource intensive, and it's great. <laughs> okay, uh, really well balanced. Then, I mean, if if you're looking for a game that it, that gives you a lot of challenge that you get to then overcome and feel really, really powerful and strong and smart, then yes, this is this is great. Yeah, I feel like there's a trend in that in games too, which is good. It's it's rewarding, like you said. And That's you have how games I thought like, about Baba is you. Baba is you. Only it was brain hurts instead of have have you know enemy hurt. I mean, compared to like a Final Fantasy, where if if you're playing smart, um, nothing is ever really all that hard. You might need to grind a bit, but at no point is there like an extensive challenge unless you go looking for it. Uh, in this game, you need to overcome these challenges in order to continue. I have two words for you, Mike. War mech. Yeah, that's at the end of the game, dude. You're fine. Yeah, but you don't have to go looking for it. It's on a bridge that you have to walk past, and there's like a 1 in 256 chance of encountering him, and you just die. Which means, awful. like, one-eighth of the games, because FF1 had a ridiculous encounter rate, you just never see him. I'm not sure what the actual odds are. My point anyway. is you can find him without looking. Anyway. Um, Tori, what's your good thing? Well, not the war mech. <laughs> yeah, the odds were not in my favor. No! Oh, no. Uh, so my good thing is Kindred by Octavia Butler. Uh, which I read for a book club, and it's not something I would normally read because it's a bit of a downer. But it was very compelling. I couldn't put it down. 
So the plot is there's this young woman named Dana. She's African-American in the late 70s. And one day she gets a dizzy spell and wakes up having traveled back in time to slavery times. And she sees this uh, young white boy in danger and, and saves his life and figures out that this is actually one of her ancestors. And so she keeps getting pulled back in time every time he's in trouble having to save his life and he's the son of a plantation owner and is kind of a reprehensible character but she has to keep saving him until her great whatever grandmother can be born and it was uh it was just very intriguing and uh very intense and yeah not something i would normally read but i enjoyed it a lot sort of Want to check that out? What is it called? Kindred. Kindred. All right. Um, Dave, you're really close to the end of the book, aren't you? Yeah. I might finish it this Might? I hope so. <laughs> uh, so what chapters did you read this week? I read chapters 71 through 77 of Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, book three. In the series by Brandon Sand. Now we're one night to your time is best fall off. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get his full title in, or clearly no one knows who you're talking about. <laughs> Number one New York Times Lama. best falafel is what I heard. <laughs> uh let's just say my mic cut out. The mic that goes from my brain to my mouth. I mean, I'm having some connection woes. Mostly it's coming through clear, but this episode no, isn't going to sound great in the it final. Was, it was my mouth stopped brain working. <laughs> <laughs> so ju just a heads up for everyone who is still listening and continues to listen through this episode. Uh, this is a Discord issue. It's not getting better. Sorry. Please continue, Dave. The falafel thing was all me, though. Okay. Chapter 71. Six times nine equals sixteen. Or if you prefer, two plus 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 two equals forty-two. I get that reference. Now I know why they call it the Trust Warren. Lava Town. Alright, chapter seventy-two. If Atium you guys want to talk about that So chapter seventy-one uh sixteen is forty-two of this universe. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Except it actually represents things. It's <laughs> it's less of a joke than it was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, but we don't get to find out what the other medals are, at least in this week's reading. Maybe next week we will, or maybe it'll be in like two years from now when we get to the next Mistborn novel. I don't know. And so we've got Seized, and he finds the ATM, which the first generation of Chandra call the Trust, hence the term Trust Warren, being the homeland of the Chandra. And then we cut to Tensoon, and there's lava. And that's the end of chapter 71. Okay. And there's lava. Real quick, uh, Tori, can you actually look up on the diagram? And figure out when we're going to get to Alloy of Law. I'm on it. Give me a minute. Thank you very much. Dave, please continue. All right. Chapter 72. 
if Atium is Ruin's body, then maybe Titanium is Preservation's body. Which actually gets addressed a couple of chapters later, and yeah, that's pretty much the case. But at least uh, the solid bead that Ellen's ate was of Preservation's power, maybe not his body in the same way that the ATM is Ruin's body. Uh, hey, fun note. F- yeah. Um, the, the way that broke up, it sounded a lot like you said, if ATM is Ruin's body, then Titanium is Preservation's butt. <laughs> I didn't hear it that way, but I I'm going to lower my my sensitivity threshold. It's okay. not that; it's just Discord being bad. No, it is that I'm watching my portrait light up, and it is definitely that. Oh, maybe it's also that. Okay, I have the diagram here, you guys. Yeah, and when are we getting to alloy law? So, as the diagram foretold. Um, it's going to be sometime between May and October of 2020. Hey! No, less than a year. Look at that. So what you're telling me is they're not going to explain it in this book. I, we didn't say anything. We were just curious when we're going to get to recording that. Uh-huh. And about nine months of that is going to be the Way of Kings. Ah, oh, I heard that one's good. <laughs> That's well, not. I really hope you enjoy it because we're going to be on it for a while. For nine months. The hardcover is a thousand pages. What about the soft cover? Significantly yep. more pages. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Kindle version? I think even more pages. I think it's like fewer pages on the Kindle because. What if it, I what not... if I zoom out really far? Uh, <laughs> then it'll be difficult to read. What if I get a magnifying lens? It just made me think of that scene on Emperor's New Groove where they zoom out and out and out and out, and then you see the monkey eating the bug. Oh. That has nothing to do with anything. Sorry, that's just where my mind went. Hey, John Goodman is in that movie. He is. Hey, Disney live-action remakes, stop being cowards and remake The Emperor's New Groove. Oh my gosh, yes, I need that in my life. Would that work, though, as live-action? I mean, it's... No, it wouldn't. Not even a little bit. And I the want jokes it. And everything. It's cartoony. And bring David Spade back for it. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's continue with that. All right. P- bullet point two. <laughs> what the frig is the point of a misting burning Duraloman? Yep. <laughs> Sucks to be that guy. Yep. All right. But yeah. I- I guess uh, you probably gave me a rafo when I asked about mistings burning secondary metals, and here you have it. Here's here's a uh, future Finn from space talking about <laughs> mistings burning Duralumin. All right, I don't remember Finn... if we rafoed or if we just ignored you. Hmm. Eh, I just listened to that episode. I think we basically ignored him because <laughs> because. Dave has some pondering sometimes. He's like, hey, I wonder if this could happen. And we just tend to just ignore you tonight. Wait till I'm done, wait till I'm done rambling and yeah. then address the last thing that happened to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Basically. Exactly. We only have a few tools to deal with you, and that's one of the most potent. <laughs> <laughs> my own lack of focus is your best tool against me. I mean, right. it's not not that. <laughs> Vin leads Ruin 
and 13 Inquisitors to Credit Shaw. She can only kill one dude. Marsh attacks and breaks her lead. Why won't the Mists help Vin? And why do the Mists shun the Inquisitors too? It's a complete mystery. <laughs> Is that the ghost that goes, ooh, it's a mystery? Hey, can someone in the community who enjoys these and has the talent to do this give me a Mars Attacks mashup with Marsh Attacks? Marsh Attacks? Also, make a t-shirt that says, Wink, Fade Out. (laughs) Man, I'm in this podcast and I don't get that reference. I get it. I do. I do. Alright, well, it might come up next book. We'll see. Alright. Oh yeah, it comes up next book. Okay, Tori knows. It's come up twice. It's come up in both series that we've read. It, it was. It came up at the very, 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 very end of the launch. Anyway, Marsh awakens. Marsh steals Vin's earring. He is a seeker, after all. Maybe he can use it. So yeah, chapter 72. Vin's trying to lead Ruin into a trap. Uh, banking on her ability to draw on the mist for power and somehow trap ruin. Didn't really plan it out. And then they don't help her. And then Marsh steals her earring. So so Marsh Marsh gets his moment here and, you know, he gets that as he is high on the thrill of slaying the hero of ages, he gains just enough control over himself to recall the letter that Spook had written about how just the tiniest bit of metal piercing a person's body can give Ruin subtle control. And in that brief moment of of uh, self-control, he snatches at Vin's earring and rips it out. And that's the end of chapter 72. Gasp and shock. The earring? Why the earring, Dave? I wonder if the earring has some significance. But no, yeah, you've, you've been you've been harping on about this earring since book <laughs> one. I don't think it's going anywhere. I, I think it just went somewhere. I think Marsh just just grabbed it, and so you know, it's a good thing that after leaving Fadric City, Vin went back to Fadric City, found the earring, took it to a blacksmith, and had it fixed so that she could be wearing it for this scene. Total red herring doesn't mean anything. <laughs> So, do we want to talk about this now or at the end? About what? The earring. The earring? Well, there's more info on the earring in the epigraph of chapter 73. All right, well, we'll wait then. Let's let Dave do his whole thing, and then if earring talk needs to happen, it can happen then. Okay. Chapter 73. Vin Jr. was the seeker. So this hemallergic spike that was crafted into Vin's earring actually drew power from her little sister, who was a seeker. And this is what gives Vin the ability to pierce copper clouds, which actually I think came up before. It's mentioned that steel inquisitors who were seekers before their transformation are actually able to pierce copper clouds because the spike that they get, it gives them the power of bronze, compounds with their natural ability thus allows them to pierce copper clouds from weaker alamancers. Although I still think Elend would be able to pierce a copper cloud since he's a first-gen Mistborn. All right, real quick. Uh, your analysis, for the most part, is very, very correct. Um, the 
be careful using the word compounds or compounding because that does mean a very specific thing. In That's they, they stack. <laughs> well, yeah, compounding is what Lord Ruler was doing to actually stay alive. Okay, so the the bonuses stack. There you go. Yes, yeah, that's stack. better. That's, that's, that works. <laughs> we could say they stack. And I do agree with you. Uh, Ellen should be able to. I will point out that there really is no point, though. I don't think anyone was really burning copper yeah. by this book for Ellen to pierce it. Like, they, they're, their targets are the other Inquisitors, and you don't... I don't even think they were really burning copper for any good reason. Right. So... Uh, I think he is able to do so because he has that first generation power. It just never came up. And we already knew that Vin could pierce it from the first book. Yes. And when I liked my I liked my theory better. I liked uh, the Lord Ruler actually being impaled through the heart and surviving it because of his compounding. So, and... <laughs> so you forgot about Vin's sister. No, or at least, I didn't forget about Vin's sister. I just you never I, brought her up. I should say no. I, I I didn't. I never mentioned it. I was always like, I was always trying to get back to this. Why did Vin's mom kill her sister? Yeah, and you know, it makes sense. That uh, is why this, is, this this backstory is actually covered in the next chapter's epigraph as well. So let's go ahead and read on chapter seventy three. Tensoon follows the mists to Luthadel. Spook and co. hide in the storage cavern. All the Kolos run away from Fredericks toward Luthadel. Yay? Vin uses the infinite allomancy cheat code. Vin blows <laughs> up the whole world and seven more Inquisitors. Eleven more Inquisitors. I don't know why I said seven. It clearly says eleven in my notes. So the rest of the Inquisitors except Marsh. All right, so yeah, uh, we have a couple different scenes of people watching the mists, and everybody notices that they are all being drawn toward Luthadel. Tensoon in his horse body gallops along with the mists to go to Luthadel. Spook is like, hey guys, we need to hide in the cavern. So stuff's about to get real. And then from Fadric City, Ellen notes the mist and sees the Coloss running toward Luthadel. And Ellen as well heads toward Luthadel. And then we got back to Vin and she uses the infinite Alamancy cheat code. Uh, you know, she is no longer being hindered by the earring and can draw upon the mists. And she draws upon them a lot and kills 11 Inquisitors. And that's the end of chapter 73. As you do. It's Easily all happening. Killed. It is happening. It's the Sandy Tsunami. We're in it. There's actually a literal tsunami in this part, too. <laughs> Alright. Chapter 74. Yeah. This is this is one of, man, just so many scenes that are going to give such great visuals once this eventually gets made into a show or a movie. Like, I was, yeah. I was actually hoping we would get to hear Dave Reed these chapters as well. We're only limited to 50 pages, so. Is that the thing? What thing? Is that the official uh, or copyright on? on? Yeah. Okay. As the diagram foretold. (laughs) Okay. This is a diagram talk about fair use laws. 
No, it's just that's how we figured out we would do about <laughs> 50 pages per episode. Oh. Okay. All right, chapter 74. Ruin chose Vin because she had a crazy mother and a seeker sister. There were other reasons he didn't know about, apparently. What reasons? What? Tell me! So, yeah. Also, Vin's mom was crazy. So she she basically was the Zane of the yeah. family. This also, but this is confirmation, I think, that Zane and Vin are sisters. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the W column. Zane and Vin are sisters. Mm hmm. Okay. Vin what? ate all the mist. I wonder what it tasted like. Yeoman and Helen are friends now, and Yeoman gives up the ATM crown. He's like, here, take this ATM if you're going to Luthadel. And I think symbolically, this is also Yeoman handing over rule of his city to his emperor. I, I don't know if that's intended as symbolism there, but I'm going to see it as such. Okay, that's fair. I think that tracks. So, All right, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, never mind. It doesn't happen until soon, but it's going to happen soon. Does it happen at 10 soon? Um, I don't think there is any more 10 soon. No. Oh. In this se section, anyway. All right. Who's ready for chapter 75? No, oh, I am. Yeah, super ready. Me, me. I'm ready. All right. Chapter 75. Says it believes. In what? I don't know. The text doesn't say. Resolution. The sliver remains. Conpar plus. Here we go. Here's Sezed. And, you know, wait, Sezed. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. You cut out. I heard Conpar plus. Yeah, that was it. Oh, oh, not plus anything. It was just Conpar plus. plus. Not plus, plus. Oh, please. Got it. Yeah. PLS. Go on. So, yeah, Sezed's all full of confidence now. And the first generation tells him about the resolution, which uh, was a deal that the first generation made with Lord Ruler, that they would unplug themselves and have all of the Conjure peoples unplug themselves when the time came. And they would know when the time came. And since Vin ate all the mists and they are no longer on the land, then they're like, yeah. It's time. Time to all unplug ourselves. And they say the sliver remains. I forget what they're referring to, but I wrote that down because it reminded me of how they called Lord Ruler the sliver in, the sliver of infinity. Oh, I think the sliver refers to Vin because she has, you know, she is the successor to preservation. So she's the sliver now. But before it had been said, Lord Ruler was the sliver of infinity. So same, same terminology here. And then Kanpar comes up and tries to overthrow the government. He's like, we are, we're not going to all kill ourselves. The world's not ending, old man. We're, we're taking you out. And that's that. That's the end of chapter 75. We'll also have to see how that goes next time. Well, and says it's locked up. Well, bound yeah. up, whatever. That's what it says in the summary. No, oh, all right. I guess I missed that detail. Okay. I mean, they arrest everyone. Like, we're, they're doing their coup. All right. Chapter 76. Uh, so I might have 
mis- been misunderstanding this throughout the whole book, but I wrote, why does only tin pierce the mist? So there's an explanation in the epigraph here how people that burn tin can see through the mist, not not so much because of their enhanced eyesight, but because they're using allomancy, which is of preservation, which allows them to see through the mists, which are also of preservation. So wouldn't burning any metal allow you to see through the mist? Maybe and, it does, does just it, not it, enough. It, yeah, and also typically the mists were, were occurring at nighttime, so maybe they didn't notice as much, but I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I just... I figured it probably does, but I wasn't paying enough attention. Uh, I don't think we get any sort of evidence of it, but like as you said, the mist is a fairly exclusively nighttime thing right up until this book. And like even if you can pierce the mist a little bit by burning, say, pewter, it's nighttime and you can't see that well. And if you have a light source, then that's just making the mist harder to see through. And, yeah. All right, chapter 76. I have a singular bullet point here, and it says, Welcome to Godhood. <laughs> Quoth ruin to Vin. So Vin has drawn up all the mists. She's taken all the power of preservation, and she basically is preservation now. Uh and right now there's an equal balance between Ruin and Preservation, between Ruin and Vin, because remember that Preservation hid the ATM from Ruin. So what happened was Preservation had to give up of himself in order to create humanity. So he became weaker than Ruin, but he managed to imprison Ruin and hide a piece of him away in the ATM. So they're now balanced in power. However, in creating the prison, Ruin gave up some of his consciousness, but not necessarily his power. So the, throughout the book, throughout the series, their power is even, but Ruin's consciousness is more present than Preservation's. But Preservation's power is spread throughout in the mists, in in liquid form in the Well of Ascension and also in the titanium beads or whatever the metal is. I just called it titanium. And so during this time, Vin's gotting it up and she noticed all the mists are gone and that the planet is too hot. So she just spins the world around so that the backside is facing the sun. So from the perspective <laughs> of the people on the planet, in, at least in the we in, in the Final Empire, they're like, oh, the mists are gone. Oh, it's really hot. Oh, it's nighttime now. So, you know, they obviously don't see all this God stuff that's going on. Oh, and... I've become liquefied against this wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and she also causes a tidal wave, hence the Sander tsunami. And there it is, in physical form. She tries to save the people from the tsunami, but uh, Ruin prevents her from doing as good as she wants to do. Oh, for some and... reason, when when you called it out earlier, I was thinking of the like the hurricane like appearance from above of like all the mists converging on one spot. Oh, and no, I wasn't I thinking about tsunami. what a tsunami actually is. <laughs> well, the mists are kind of like vapors, which is a form of water. So, nah, I was confusing it with the Sanderson hurricane. 
what what about the avalanche? I guess uh, she kind of avalanched Credit Shaw. Tropical Storm the- Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta upgrade him to a hurricane. Blizzard in Sander Zard. <laughs> Alright, continue. So anyway, I have a question. Is this Pangea land? Like, is the final empire the only intelligent life on Skadriel? I I understand that the final empire isn't the entire planet. But what's on the other side? What did she just like completely screw whoever was on the other side, or is that just all a large body of water? Uh, Ask me so... again after you're finished with the book. Okay. Well, I think and I can say she... one thing. I can say one thing. Uh, hold on. I'm going to check with Mike if I can say one thing. You fool. You Ooh. typed it in good things. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to check. Well, well, if you want I'll to, yeah. come back to it. I can say that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Skadriel, or sorry, uh, the, um, the Final Empire and everything, they're at the North Pole. They're not, this is not, like, Earth's Pangea. Now, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever now. You just confused the poops out of me. Okay, they're not exactly on the North Pole. They're near the North Pole. If they're on the North Pole, then they have, like, six hours of daylight half the year and, twelve, like, 18 hours of daylight the other half And the at year. the time this was happening and the planet was heating up right over Luthadel. She's like, oh crap, and she spins it. So she it. flips it. She flips it along flip it. along the it. equator. No, no, no. That she gets crazier. <laughs> she spins it. Uh, what counterclockwise or whatever the natural rotation is? It's... Because if she completely changes the axis of rotation, then everything is completely. She did not. Destroyed. She did not do that. Okay. He spun it the natural direction. She just essentially made it nighttime. Over Luthadel, so one completely heat up. There was a day that lasted about 30 seconds, and it screwed up all the calendars. Yep. Yeah, in fact, Ellen returns to Luthadel and looks at the clocks. He's like, this ain't right. Someone fix these clocks. He's the emperor, so they gotta do it. (laughs) 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 Okay, here's another thing. If she kind of suspends... Well, I guess she's not suspending the rotation either, because that would cause problems as well. But if there is ocean on the other side, and that's now in direct sunlight for an extended period of time more than normal, then it's going to rain a lot. Well, okay, it's it's an ocean, though. And oceans... I don't know that for a fact. That's just my guess. Well, okay, I should say there's a giant body of water. It you're sounds like side. it sounds like it sounds like what you're trying to say is that when you've got these godlike powers and you screw screw around with the natural order of the world that it has unintended consequences. Hey, that's the lesson. I think that was in a Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> I remember oh. it being in a Steve Carell movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So that's that's about it for chapter seventy six. Vin is the new preservation in town, but she doesn't have the wealth of experience that either preservation or ruin would have had. Yes. In a nutshell. Uh, correct. <laughs>
I'm sorry. Um, Were you thinking that, of the Pro ZD when they're in a nutshell? I'll tell you in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Ready for chapter 77? Sure. Yes. All right. Elland goes home. Penrod was not mightier than the sword rod. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was laughing at, by the way. Ben sort of gets the message through that peeps are in the pits. So, yeah, here we go. We got Elland, and he gets back to Luthadel, and he checks out his old house, and it's all quaked up. And he finds Penrod, and uh, Penrod apparently run himself through with a sword and left a note. And the note says that the people have returned. People of Luthadel have taken shelter in the terrace dominance but, or the Terrace Homelands, but Elland hears a mysterious whispering on the wind that he should think about the pits of Hatson, and he recalls that Ruin can change some things and figures that he, Ruin doesn't usually change a whole lot. He's really subtle about what he changes, so he probably changed Terrace people to Terrace Homelands and... Since the terrorist people are in the pits of Hathson, that's the way he goes. And then we cut back to Vin, and she's like, being a god is hard. It's hard to tell people. No wonder it's so frustrating. It's hard to communicate with these mere mortals. And that's she the end of this exactly week's chapter. Like uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're actually checking. <sighs> Balance ruins spat. Balance imprisoned me. Preservation sacrifice, that was to siphon off the part of me that was stronger, to lock it away, to leave me equal with him again, for a time, only for a time. And what is time to us, Finn? Nothing. Oh, wait. It took everything she had to get even a few words to Ellen. She wasn't even certain if he'd heard her or not. That's what, basically Near what I said. mortals. <laughs> as, as the binary star system that represented God and Futurama said, when you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. <laughs> so, okay. I have a couple of questions. Okay. Uh, one, I think we've gotten confirmation of your earring theory. So, Mostly. So good job, Dave. Mostly. I got the important details, right? Yeah. Yeah. We And we would constantly talk in the spoiler chat about how right you were, uh, even though we weren't confirming your theory. But, yeah, you picked up on what was being thrown down. Of all the crazy things I threw out, I was pretty confident in that one. Yeah, yeah. That w I was pretty sure that that's where this was going with the earring. And even the 16 thing wasn't fully confirmed until, I think, this episode. Nah, it's one or two weeks ago, I think. And it's actually Yeoman that tells Ellen that there are right. 16 alimantic metals. But that isn't even the important bit from that information. Apparently, 16 means... Hey, all your dudes are Alamancers now. Yeah. Um, Which, but I did want to ask still, about. I could still put together from preservation pointing at the vial and his clues about the number sixteen. But I, I did want to ask you about Sazed and his arc. Essentially, this book, his character arc. I mean, he went through a, a theological crisis, and now that he's finding about the ancient terrorist religion. 
and having to decide if he has faith or not. Like, what what do you think of all of this? I think Sazed was one of your favorite characters. Yes, and he still is, but I'm not. Uh, huh. I, I haven't had ample time to really compile all of my thoughts on Sazed and and this uh, theological odyssey of his. But I always kind of, in the back of my head, thought that maybe he was moving toward relativism. And I'm trying to figure out if that's, like, really a natural move for him. Okay. I won't say anything about any real-life viewpoints. I'll just say, is this... Is this a direction that is it believable for Caesar to move in this direction? Now he may or may not. We're still not sure exactly, but he gets this like, oh, I believe now, but we don't really get any details on what he believes. Like, what is he having faith in? Right, right. He has well, the objective information from the first generation, so I don't know. Well, I mean, we still aren't at the end of the book. I just right, we're not at the end of the book, and I, I haven't really given ample time to digest all of Sazed's story here. Okay. Don't digest Sazed. He's all stringy. Digest what if he taps into it. his metal mines first? If he taps into his pewter mines, he might be yummy. Oh. So, if you didn't want to get eaten, he wouldn't do that. What would happen? Okay, so... What would happen if you ate Sazed? <laughs> if I ate <laughs> Sazed while he was tapping his pewter mines. Well, he's so he so he's using it currently. So he's more muscular. Right. He'd be more muscular, right? But what if? But as soon as you as soon as you killed him to eat him, he would not be tapping it anymore. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. So the, the question is: but can What you... if when I remove the flesh from right. his body, would it immediately deflate? Would it be That's like he'd be, it'd be like eating cotton candy? That's what it would be like. Because when he stops tapping the pewter mine, he goes back to the way he's normally shaped. Can we just get through one book without sounding like serial killers over here? (laughs) This isn't our fault, though. I mean, there's interesting questions to be raised here. I mean, Dave was exempted from a couple of weeks ago when when the three of us were doing it, but but this one's all him. (laughs) I mean, okay, so opposite side, what if he is filling pewter mines and you started eating him? Then it would be like eating marshmallows that expand in your stomach. Or do they dissolve? I remember this from an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, but I don't remember how it ended. Look, he he can tap gold and heal himself. We're we're good. Does that give him the power of regeneration? Can he recover lost limbs by using gold? Probably. Maybe. I mean, Lord Ruler grew his head back or something, didn't he? Lord Ruler did some crazy things with... Right, but it's still based on... And compounding. It's still based on the same principle of Farukami, right? He just happened to have so, so, so much more hit points stored, you know? At least a uh, thousand. Yeah, we're getting into Rafo territory. Uh, which... About eating Sazed? Oh, going... <laughs> yes. Going into the full mechanics of of gold. Uh, But that brings me to a couple of things. First off, I know I've said this on the podcast, but I don't know if I've said it with Dave here. Uh, Dave, once you finish this book, we're going to start answering your questions. Unless they're they're spoilers for, for plot things for future books. And then he'll be able to figure it out based on what we're not answering. 
Uh, and then so many implicit spoilers from Craig. Right. What? <laughs> implicit? Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, the other big thing I want to bring up is that I, uh, by way of this podcast, would like to uh, contact Tor and ask them to send myself and Craig and Tori uh, advanced reader copies of future Cosmere books. And uh, part of convincing them that we're a real thing that deserves this sort of treatment is um, Apple Podcast reviews and ratings. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you're enjoying what you're hearing, please go there, give us a five star, give us a review. I'm not looking to to rise up the charts. That, that just isn't relevant unless you have like thousands of people doing it every week. It's not a thing. But with a couple dozen reviews, we look like a real deal, and this is a more likely thing to happen. What do I get out of it? Uh, the satisfaction it of knowing that, that we all get advanced <laughs> reader copies of books. Pride from Can being on a, a legit and not read it? <laughs> I am proud of you guys. Thank you. you uh, what you'll probably be able to do is get Craig's advanced reader copy to read once it's once we get to that book on oh, your he end. He ain't going to reread it when we get to it, so yeah. Hey, I reread all of <laughs> Sanderson stuff, just not on your schedule. Oh, uh, and and dear listeners, uh, what you'll be getting out of this is if we get these advanced reader copies, part of that means that we would be reading it and then putting out an episode probably on the day the book actually releases with a, I'm guessing, spoiler-free review. So you well, get extra get. content. Get a day off. No, no, no. This would be in addition to our normal release schedule. Uh. So extra content for the listeners. Um, free ugly books because advanced reader copies are not finished copies. They ugly. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a good deal all around. Except for Dave. Dave gets nothing. I get a day off. thing. Uh, so does anyone have anything else before we head to Spoiler Town? No, I'm looking forward to Dave doing his on-stream read. Um, yes, Dave will be reading the last 50 pages of the book uh, on stream, which he will be highlighting so that it exists forever on Twitch, and I will be posting a link to that along with this episode or along with next week's episode as it releases so that if you want to, you can watch Dave maybe reading out loud, maybe just reading silently and exclaiming <laughs> to himself as things happen. I honestly don't know how he's going to do this. Uh, Either one sounds like a lot of fun to me. I'm hoping for the read so then I won't have to read the chat. Yeah, we'll talk schedule. Craig, if you don't remember what recording. happened at the end of this book, then I don't think you need to be here anymore. <laughs> We're going to end up kicking Craig off before spoilers. <laughs> Wait, I don't remember what happened. See you later. <laughs> All right, let's kick Dave off. Okay, bye, Dave. Bye. Bye, Dave. Hi. All right, Dave is gone. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. 
Spoilers begin now. And what do we need to talk about, spoiler-wise? Okay, I got something. Chapter 73, the epigraph for it, 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 it refers to Vin in the third person. Um, uh, quote, There's at least one other case of a person who could pierce copper clouds. In her case, however, the situation was slightly different. She was a misborn from birth, and her sister was the seeker. So, if Vin is writing this from space, as Dave believes, uh, she suddenly writes about herself in the third person, which, I guess from an academic perspective, you do this, but Vin's not really academic. Uh, but so, Vin has become a god, so she's functionally a new being. So she maybe. might not think of her corporeal self as the same Look, person anymore. The point is Dave did not pick up on it. And my prediction for him was that if he didn't realize Vin was not writing these epigraphs by now, he's he's going to be blindsided by it when Sezed picks up the shards, which he's going to read out loud and we're going to get to see his reaction. And it's going to be so much fun. I'm so, so happy fun. that he that he got this one, or that he missed this one. Like, yeah. I was certain he was going to pick up on it early. You were certain he was going to pick up on it here, at least. And Absolutely. Just, I, I'm so happy that he didn't, because this is one of those great twists that, like, should have been easily spotted early on. And I wasn't. still remember the first time I read this, I'm like, no, wait. And I had, like, chills? And I, I, I'm I'm going back. I went back to the epigraphs earlier. I'm like, no way. And I'm like, it sounds like him. It's him. Oh my gosh, it's his. The look at the way he says that. If perhaps you're new to this, um, and you're just sort of reading along, but enjoying the spoilers. If you look at how Sezed talk, his speech patterns directly matches the epigraphs because he's the one writing it. And it, I think he dictated the epigraphs rather than actually writing them because of the way they sound. It sounds like he spoke them and perhaps in a copper mine type sort of thing, which were then uh, translated into the book, which, which of course we have the words of founding in error too, but it's the way he talks. It's right there in our faces this whole time. So yeah, that's I'm, I'm glad I'm a little surprised and I'm glad he did not pick up on it. And there was also one other thing he said. I was going to uh, give him information, then I decided perhaps I shouldn't, and I cannot fully recall what it was. Dave Something asked about the, the Southern Scadrians? No, I wasn't going to. I was definitely not going to touch that. He doesn't need to know about them. I don't know. It's not important. I mean, I'm. if he asks again, I'm totally willing to tell him that the Lord Ruler kept people, unaltered people on the South Pole. As as a control group. I mean, we could say there is a landmass on the South Pole. We know that. And I believe Sanderson answered as much because he would tease uh, fans. He'd be like, well, what are the people up to down there? I wonder what they're up to during this whole thing. Well, I'm I'm foreseeing a lot of uh, just just a lot of like explaining what was going on sort of behind the scenes, not mentioning secret history stuff. That's plot spoilery. Right. Of course. Um, but like what the Lord Ruler was doing and what he was trying to do and why. Like yeah. all of all of that is 
Like, that's information that is out there and it is not tied to secret history. So, so basically, at this point in, uh, in Dave's read, uh, he will now be able to hear, like, Word of Brandon type stuff. Sure. Like, because, Within well, for, for me at least, once I finished with, uh, with Hero of Ages is when I actually started looking, looking some of this stuff up. Okay. Like, that's, that's sort of where I was at that point. So, it seems, it seems reasonable to allow Dave the same sort of thing, except he doesn't get to look stuff up, he gets to ask us, and we get to tell him. Um, there was something I brought up in the spoiler chat, which is a quote from the Coppermine wiki, uh, about chapter 75, where, and I, I believe it's quoted from the book, but because I didn't read the book recently, I don't recall, um, but one of the the first generation speaks of Miss being preservation's body, and someone says that a sliver remains a shadow of self. And of course, book two of Error Two is Shadows of Self. Very interesting choice of words there. And book two of Error Two is also when um, Wax really got to start having actual conversations with Sazed, so... Yes. Alright, that title makes more sense to me now. It never he really did conversation. before. Sazed is a character in book two. Um, it's also when the whole thing with the Chandra, the, the one that he was dating, essentially, before he had to kill her, uh, that whole thing happened. So, the Sliver could also be to maybe something else not necessarily harmony but maybe like you said it makes more sense now. I don't know I mean it just always seemed like a weird title like right. Alloy of Law I get um, sure. Bands of Mourning that's that's literally like the the Indiana Jones end game of the book sure Shadows, Shadows of Self, of self Where did that weird but if it's referring to Slivers there you go wasn't it referring to a cognitive shadow? A shadow I of self. Don't know Could that be. there were any cognitive shadows in that book. Uh, not, not, not in that book. But when the Chandra say it. Oh, in this particular yeah. chapter, they could be referring to Kelsey because uh, he exists maybe. and he was holding on pre Preservation's body until he gave it up to Vin. Although that'd be weird that because stupid the earring removed. The, the concept of cognitive shadows had not been introduced to us yet, so that would be a nice early spoiler thing. I honestly don't know. There are a number uh, of references yeah, to Kelsier I, throughout these books. Because I don't have my book with me right now, but I so I don't remember the exact quote, but weren't they like, uh, oh, preservation, no, he's, he's not around anymore. Well, the shadow itself is still around, yeah, but that that's powerless. It's not going to help us. So I thought they were talking about that, you know, the the little bit of preservation that is still around and talking to Kelsier earlier. Oh, because I... because they don't know he's gone, gone. Right. Hey, dear listeners, if you've got an idea as what as to what the phrase "shadow of self" means, both here and as the title to Era Two Book Two, um. I want to hear about that because I'm lost. <laughs> I am I am willing to entertain theories all the way from Dave's bad theories 
quality to Dave's good theories quality. So join our so, Discord and yeah. talk about it in the spoiler section, please. Oh, someone yeah, out there has definitely in spoilers. Someone out there has already come up with something and it's on the copper mind and we just haven't found it and some super fan is going to write us an angry letter on Facebook later. Well no, we didn't get it wrong. We're we're asking for for info here, so I I would actually appreciate an angry an angry Facebook letter or a link to a Reddit <laughs> post or a link to like something on the 17th shard forums. All of that is good. For real, I'm lost and I'd like not to be. Okay. Uh do we have anything else? I don't really have anything this week. Nope. Uh, I was. I think the one thing I wanted to sort of mention to Dave, I, I assume we'll do this after he wraps up next week, uh, the name of the metal that Ellen and Jess, since it's not, it's not told to you in the book, I think it's a word of Brandon, but that way we can stop calling it titanium, because it's not. I mean, yeah, I, I actually almost told him this time. Yeah, uh, but I was wondering. I mean, I figured, you know what, I've already said that I will answer whatever questions he has at the after he finishes the book, so why jump the gun? Just just give him a week, he's fine. Yeah. But I love how he makes up names for things. It is good. Guys, I'm so looking forward to Warbreaker 2, you have no idea. And I will be reading along with it. I promise. I'm I'm looking forward to just Dave finishing the book. Uh, and... I'm also looking forward to, and this is completely unrelated to anything to do with this podcast, uh, the Amazon Wheel of Time show. They they posted uh, some some more of the cast this week, and I'm so excited. Ah! Um, I follow a bunch of Wheel of Time Twitter accounts, and there's all this fan art using using the the new cast, and it's great. Ooh, you should link some of that for us. Oh, uh, I actually have been in the Legendariums Discord, but yeah, I'll, I'll post some over in ours. All right, I think we're probably done, unless anyone has anything else last second. Nope. Nope. All tomorrow's right. Gonna be, or tomorrow. Next episode's going to be exciting. And it looks like Dave is going to be uh, streaming this on Saturday for anyone who's still here and listening live. Um... I will be posting in the Discord quite heavily about this. Uh, I'll probably also be posting on like Twitch and Facebook about this too. So, all right. Bye, Internet. Good night, Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.